What's going on, everybody? I'm Jeff St. Pierre, and this is episode 138 of the Adult Education Podcast. This week, I'm speaking with Nashville recording artist Alex Hall. Thanks for checking out the show. I appreciate you sharing some of your day with me. If this is your first time listening to the Adult Education Podcast, welcome to the family. I would love it if you would subscribe to the show so you're updated for all future episodes. And if you wouldn't mind leaving a nice little rating or review, I'd appreciate that too. If you want to connect with me, the best way to do that is through Instagram. We are at Adult Education Podcast. I'm also on there at St. Pierre on Air if you want to find me. You can see when new episodes are posted and you can DM me with any comments, questions, and suggestions for future topics or guests. I always love to hear from the people who listen to adult education. Duets are a pretty common thing in country music. In fact, some of the biggest songs in country music history are duets. Uh, it's a duet that led me to falling in love with today's guest. I'm a huge fan of the artist Tennille Towns. For me, everything she touches turns to gold, and I have to listen to everything that she's a part of. Well, a couple years ago, I came across a song that she was a guest on. It was a song by Alex Hall called Heart Shut. The way the two of them just played off each other and harmonized totally won me over. And it was that moment that I became a fan of Alex Hall as well. There's something about his voice and his vibe. I can't quite put my finger on it. There's a smoothness to it and a classicness. Is that a word? Classicness? I learned during our conversation that it was Elvis music that inspired him when he was younger. So I guess I shouldn't be shocked by the classic feel to his voice. As much as I enjoy Alex's music, I didn't know a lot about him before our conversation. We dive into what inspired him and made him fall in love with music, his wild high school years when he started performing and touring around the country. This is some crazy stuff. And we talk about how things didn't kind of happen overnight once he moved to Nashville. Also, if you're listening to this show in Baltimore, Alex will be performing at PBR Baltimore at Power Plant Live on Friday, November 10th. You can find details at powerplantlive.com. I believe the show is free, so we'd love to see you out there to check out Alex. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Alex Hall. I can hear you. I can see you. It all looks fantastic. All right. My man. How you doing this morning? You know what? I've got a fruit fly problem in my house, and it's really bumming oh, me no. out. <laughs> yeah. You know, you'll have that from time to time. My wife and I just found, like, a tiny bag of potatoes that I guess, like, fell behind something in our pantry, and we didn't know it was there. And we just found it. Yeah. So we, we eliminated, like, the cause, but now we have to eliminate yep. the flies, and that is such a nightmare. I'll be honest. I don't think I've ever had uh, to deal with that. Like, I don't, we, we're really bad at keeping like just what we need grocery wise in our house at all times. It's probably not the smartest thing with a kid and all of the, all of the above, but, like everything we have, we eat and then it's gone. And so like, I haven't ran into that issue yet. So I, uh, if, if you ha end up coming up with a solution, let me know. Cause oh, I will, you know, I'm sure the time will come. Yeah. I have to hit Google. Google will tell me what I'm supposed to do now. Cause <laughs> just trying to like catch them in the air is not working for me. <laughs> have you seen those things on Amazon that are like the, uh, the flag shooter things? So it's like, it's like a little gun, but it like shoots out this like web over them and then it it kills flies. I have not, but you know, I, I do know the trick to kill flies, like regular flies. Um, and my wife is always astounded how, how easily I catch them with my hands because most people can't do it. So, and, and, I, and if anybody listening right now is a fly expert and this is wrong, this is just what I believe and what, what works for me. So please don't hammer me too hard. But flies, <laughs> flies cannot fly up. Like they can fly in all these different directions, but flying up is very difficult for them. So instead of like everybody always instinctually wants to slap a fly down, right? They want to squash yeah. it, but they can fly out to the side super quick. So you never catch them. You always miss them. If you try to slap, catch a fly from the sides, 
and come in from the sides, they're so much slower flying up. So that's the way to do it. Like if you try to come in from the, that's, I did not know that. There you go. That's wild. There you go. I mean, what a way to start an interview. I know, right? Come on. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Honestly, that's really a great information to know because uh, the the more you know about killing flies, the better your life will be. For whatever reason, it impresses my wife, so maybe it'll help you with yours. I don't know. Hey, you know, there you go. I'll take all of the points I can get. That's hilarious. (laughs) Well, Alex, it it is a pleasure to meet you. I've, uh, I've been a fan for a while now. I was trying to think of what the first song was that I heard of yours, and I think it was your duet with Tennille Towns. Um, heart uh, shut because yeah. I'm just such a big fan of hers that anything she puts oh, out or is a part of I have to be a part of it so I think that was the first thing but I I'm so glad that I found you because your music is incredible oh thank you very much man I uh I equally am a huge Tennille Towns fan uh and she's a dear friend and 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 such and so that's that's awesome I'm glad that's the song that brought you around and I'm glad that you've uh you continue to enjoy the music. That that's means the world. I appreciate that. You've got the debut album out now called Side Effects of the Heart. I do want to get to that, but I would like to learn a little bit more about you, if that's okay with yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, so first of all, I was Googling you to try to get a little bit of the bio, and apparently there's another uh, woman named Alex Hall that's on <laughs> Selling the OC. So everything that I looked up, I, I kept getting her, and I was like, I don't think this is the same person. <laughs> we look a little different. Just a little bit. It's really the beard, I think, that really yeah. does it off but you yeah. know <laughs> the beard for <laughs> sure hilarious. you know the funny thing there's i keep getting on these tangents there, there okay. used to be another alex hall that was like an olympian skier or something at some point uh, also not me um i i'm only good at playing guitar i can't sell houses i can't ski i can't i can only play guitar so if you see a guitar in the person's hand that's the real alex hall I was kind of astounded at how common the name Alex Hall was. Same. I didn't realize it until I uh, started, you know, doing stuff in the world, I guess. <laughs> and then you, you discover there are quite a few, you know. There, I need your last name because I feel like you have a very unique last name. And then everybody would know it was me the, the whole time, you know. The downside is nobody can spell it and computers hate it because it's got a period and a space. <laughs> so it like, like I never know what my name is categorized under. Like sometimes it's under Pierre. Sometimes it's under S. Like I never know know like where i'm gonna find my name uh you know well it's a beautiful last name well thank you thank you very much sorry i digress no it's early no we're good man we're good yeah you're an hour behind me right now so it's a little bit early for you also i do morning radio so i've been up since three o'clock in the morning so i'm this is like this is like happy hour for me right now we're having a happy hour chat (laughs) man come on i'm normally up pretty early but my i have a two-year-old and and he uh he slept in this morning so i uh you know i'll take it when i can get it I am so jealous. I've got a, my daughter's going to turn three pretty soon and she has never been able to master sleeping through the night. Like every single night she ends up in our bed. And I know we should probably stop that at some point, but like at some point you get into survival mode as a parent where you're just like, if this is what's going to help you sleep, just get in bed with us and just be fine. Yeah, man. If it helps you sleep, them sleep all of the above. It's like you figured out. We were really lucky and and our our little guy has been a a great sleeper, but you know, when he sleeps a little too late, sometimes it, it throws the mornings off a little bit. I do have to tell you this story um, as a parent because uh, I do want to dive more into into your stuff. But like last night, my daughter, she moves around a lot at night too. She has really weird nightmares and like sometimes gets night terrors. But she was like a ninja last night. I mean, I don't know what was going on, but she was kicking me all <laughs> night long. And she got me like there was a moment I was laying on my back and she I felt her rustling and I like kind of woke up a little bit. And all I saw was her foot go up in the air and the heel came oh. right down in my midsection. Come she, got, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> The crazy thing too, those those little things can really do some damage. Yes. Like 
for them to only be like two years old, like it's like they can really get in there and throw throw a kick or a punch or something occasionally. You know, that's hilarious. I hate that for you, but I uh, yeah, I feel I feel pain. It happens sometimes. I've yeah. gotten headbutted in the eye a couple times, and that you know doesn't feel great. Like it's they're dangerous little creatures. <laughs> They are. They are. All right. So back to the topic. So Gainesville, Georgia, um, I, I was reading a little bit about you and I was getting conflicted ideas of when when you started singing, when you started playing. Uh, one thing said you picked up a guitar at 14. One thing said your love of music started way earlier at like the age of three or four. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how you came to just find music to be so fascinating that you knew it was your thing. Yeah, all of those are accurate. Um, I I music was the very first real thing that I fell in love with. I, I grew up riding horses and rodeoing and, and, and all of that. Um, so that was really my overall passion, I would say as a kid, because I just, that's what I did every weekend, every week was ride horses, which also obviously brings around the country music love for all of that and everything. Cause that's just what's really around all of it. But my first real recollection of music was Elvis Presley. Um, and I, I, to this day, don't really know where it came from. It might've been, hearing it from my grandparents or something, but my parents were not Elvis fans. Um, and really no, none of my grandparents were diehard Elvis fans or anything, but as a really, really young kid, that is my very first memory of music. And I, I remember having this gold number one Elvis CD that I just wore out and I had to go buy another one because it broke or scratched or whatever CDs did. And I just got the bug of just like, I was obsessed with Elvis. And then I still in this way of like, if I love Elvis, I need to know all the other folks that were, were associated with Elvis. Then that led me to Johnny Cash and Jerry Lee Lewis and all the other Sun Studios guys from Memphis and uh, and then so on and so on. You know, and my parents were big Willie Nelson fans and Waylon Jennings fans and all of that era of country. And so I just really grew up around old classic music. And that's just as a kid, not the coolest thing to be obsessed with, but that's just what really got me. And so when I was about four or five years old, my parents got me a guitar. That there was only one music store in my hometown, and they uh, we went and got a guitar. And uh, I had, I think, I had just started kindergarten, or I was about to start kindergarten. And the uh, the music teacher came back out about thirty minutes later, and was like, "Hey, he doesn't know how to read. I can't teach him how to play guitar. He doesn't know how to read." Which is looking back hilarious because that's not true. Um, but we didn't know. No one in my family's musical or anything, and I was a kid. So really, I left that discouraged and the guitar went into the closet and I would get it out and, you know, bang around on it and just not having any idea what to do with it uh, occasionally. But I really didn't get back into it until I was about 13 or 14 years old. And I had a um, my middle school chorus teacher got me really interested in doing music professionally in general. Um, but he got me, you know, singing on at chorus concerts on stages in front of people and doing solo performances of you know, Trace Atkins songs that were on the radio at the time or whatever in front of all these folks and um, and kind of really showed me that I could do this as something more than just like I love to sing. And so he taught me a couple of chords on the guitar that he knew. And then he introduced me to a cousin from church that taught me a few more chords, very like, you know, small town stuff. And uh, and then, you know, I, I started playing shows when I was about 15 that summer between middle school and high school. I started playing in bars and restaurants and my parents and I made a trip to Nashville and met with some folks here and I started writing songs with other people and co-writing. And so I, I really got into music about 14, 15, but I got the bug for music as soon as I could hear a song. Um, so all of those long story short are accurate. The, the four to five and the 14, they're both accurate. Um, they're just different uh, timeline, mm -hmm. I guess, markers of when it all really started.
but music has always been the thing that's that's really kind of driven me. I think it's kind of fascinating to think about when you picked up a guitar and started playing because a lot of people that I talk to, they start playing instruments a little bit younger. You picked it up um, 14 years old. That's, you know, quote unquote, older for a lot of people to yeah. start learning an instrument, but also how quickly you grabbed it, like how how quickly it came yeah. to you to think that you picked up a guitar at 14 ish, not knowing how to play anything. And you were playing your own shows yeah. at 15. That's pretty yeah. impressive. It was crazy, man. Like, my, like this is a true story. My, I, again, the guy that was teaching me, I went to lessons for exactly, it was exactly nine months. Um, and I only know it was exactly nine months because of the story, but he played guitar, like rhythm guitar at the church that I sang at and stuff. And I very, normally when you go take a guitar lesson, when you're starting out, you're learning, you got the book and then it's like, here are the, the three notes and all of this stuff. And I was not interested in that whatsoever. I like, I just was not going to do it. I knew that I wasn't going to do it. And I, and at that point I had written a song or two. I really knew I wanted to try to do music professionally. And so I was like, can you teach me just the major chords that can help me accompany myself and write songs? That's all that I wanted to know. And, um, and I was very adamant on that. Like, I was like, I don't want to learn the theory and all of the above, even though I should have, I didn't. And so I just, I went and was very intentional about what I wanted to learn. And I would fall asleep with the guitar. I would wake up and play before school. And then I just was obsessed with it. And so nine months later, I got out, left my lesson, got in the truck. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm done with guitar lessons. And my parents were like, what? Like, you're, you're done with guitar lessons. And so my mom called the teacher when I got home. and was, They thought I was lying because I was trying to quit. And he was like, no, I've literally, I don't know any more chords or anything to teach him. He learned them all. This is it. And so I started playing shows and, um, and that was it. So I, I again, yeah, it, it is a little unconventional on how it all kind of came about, but I knew that's what I wanted to do. I knew like I wanted, I didn't even, you know, now I play all the lead guitar stuff on my records. I play live all the guitar parts for the most part and all that, but that was not ever really my intention. I, I thought I was going to be like the Elvis or the George Strait or whatever that just strummed a guitar and wrote my songs and sang them. And then, uh, and then my real love for guitar really started, uh, you know, not long after that. I'm always fascinated too when I talk to people that grew up in the South because I grew up in New Hampshire and not a, not really like a huge town, but not a small town, a suburb of Boston. Uh -huh. And when people like yourself tell stories about how you were playing shows at 15 and you were playing at you know bars and restaurants or whatever, we just didn't have those places. Like we didn't have bars and restaurants yeah. where people played. I had friends from high school that were in more like hard rock, like metal bands that would find uh -huh. you know Knights of Columbus or whatever places that they could play and rent out for the night uh, to perform. But it wasn't like a public space where you could just go play an open mic night or something like we didn't have that where I grew up. So it's yeah. so it's so interesting to think of like teenagers getting that opportunity in places because it's just so not my experience. Well, and to be fair, that that's not really what it was like either. Um, okay. My parents and I would just beg these people to let me play. <laughs> so like half the places didn't didn't have live music in them prior to me playing there. Like they were the, especially country music because it was not necessarily like. There, weirdly enough, even though I grew up in North Georgia, there wasn't a huge country music scene at the time. And so uh, a few places, like I got started playing in restaurants and stuff. Like I, uh, my first gig was at a Mexican restaurant for like 75 bucks every week. You can say Chili's, it's fine. I wish it was a Chili's. It would have been, it would have tasted a little better. Um, it, it was, it was literally called uh, Pueblos. That's what oh, it was nice. called. And I sat in the corner right next to the kitchen. And all that we did was went up and my parents and I were like, hey, I want to play some music. Can I play here? And the guy was like, I don't know, like whatever. So I played for free the first time. 
and uh and people really loved it and people started coming to hear me play and listen to food and so that kind of led to then there was one bar in my hometown so it wasn't like this there was all of these places it was a few spots but again like nobody was having country music whatsoever it was like 80s or 90s cover bands and stuff like that and uh and i was the only one playing country music and then eventually the only one playing original music and so it, it wasn't necessarily like there were all of these places it was just we kind of finagled our way into it and my parents were amazingly supportive and would drive i mean there were i remember vividly my dad and i hopping in the truck and i again i used to rodeo and there was this there's this place called anderson south carolina right around clemson south carolina and there were a couple of country bars up there and that was about two and a half hours from where i lived and my dad and i left uh school my school one day i was 15 and um got in the truck drove two and a half hours just to go because they wouldn't answer our phone calls and we went into the place found the manager and asked if they would let us play because we'd heard a few country folks had played mm. played uh, gigs there and we were rodeoing up there. And so we drove two and a half hours, got the gig. A month and a half later, we ended up playing with, with my band and stuff. And uh, and then I ended up playing at that place for like three and a half to four years straight every once in a while after that. But we drove five hours round trip just to go get a gig. And that's like um, the amazing stuff that also my parents were helping me out with as well, which is really cool. It is awesome to have that sort of support from your family, that they they recognized your, not only your drive, but your talent and knowing that they weren't, what's the word I'm looking for? They weren't wasting time with it. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. knew that making an investment with you and helping you get this, like that's what you wanted to do and you were taking it seriously. Yep, absolutely. And, and, and I definitely lost a lot of the, you know, the teenage fun years sure. of some of the stuff you should have done at that time period, but also... I've looked back on it so many times and at the moment I didn't really regret it at all either. And I loved music. Like I knew, like I, I had, you know, longer down the story, but I, I dropped out of high school at one point, which I did go back and finish. But like music in Nashville was 100% all that was on my, on my radar. And, uh, and obviously it, it's what I ended up following, following up with anyway. So it worked out. I do want to get into that dropping out of high school thing, because I was reading somewhere that you ended up booking like 125 shows a year when you were in high school. Yeah. And there was a point where you dropped out, but then you made a deal to come back afterwards. So, yeah. Tell me more yeah. about that story. Uh, yeah. So I uh, it was about my junior year, I believe, of high school. And um, I yeah, I was playing about 125 to 150 shows a year. I had just gotten signed to be booked by William Morris, um, which is a big booking agency out of Nashville. They're like the biggest, I would say, out of Nashville. And um, they had seen, heard of me through opening up for a few folks around Atlanta and stuff like that. And they started booking my shows. And so I was I was just really busy. I was gone. I was playing at least like five shows a week, whether it was an acoustic show or a band show. Or, and then I was also making trips back and forth to Nashville to write songs like at least once a month. And so I was missing a lot of school. And so I basically got called into my guidance counselor's office and was was given an ultimatum, an ultimatum of you can either not miss any more school and stay here or you can basically you're going to get expelled or suspended yeah. or whatever. Long story short. And they have like these work release programs and stuff like that, but they didn't consider what I was doing a career path, mm. um, but which is to be fair, like, you know, nobody was doing that. It sure. wasn't like there was this like this handbook of 16 year olds playing in gigs across the country. And so I, I talked to my parents and we found a way for me to enroll in like online school so I could finish online. And I, I went and we uh, dropped, I dropped out. I left, I left high school and, uh, and I, 
started my online classes and I thought that was going to, you know, be the savior of everything for me. And I would still graduate high school and the same thing happened. I was just so busy. And I had at that point, then nobody to help kind of keep me on the rails Mm -hmm. of what school was. And so right before my senior year started, I had sat down with, again, same, my chorus music teacher from uh, middle school, him and I were, are still very close. And and he was, um, I would say a huge mentor for me through all of those years. And we sat down and just talked about it. And I talked to my parents about it. And, um, and I made the decision to go back to, to my high school, finish out my senior year. And I kind of like slowed down on touring and everything because I was just like, look, I, you know, I'm missing out on a lot here, I think. And I've got one year left. I knew I wasn't going to college. I knew I was going to be moving to Nashville right after high school. And so I just slowed everything down just a little bit and enjoyed my senior year. I still played shows. Like I was opening up for like Gary Allen was having hits at the time mm-hmm. still. So we were like opening up for him and Frankie Ballard was like tearing mm-hmm. up the radio and coming out at the time. And so I was opening up for all of these great shows and stuff, but any of the other stuff that was kind of not as important, I reeled in and I just focused on going to school and I went back, I graduated. I sang the song for my graduating class and I was by no means anywhere close to being valedictorian. Um, but I finished and I got a diploma and then I moved to Nashville and I got the hell out of there and, uh, was done. So, um, it was a crazy, it was a crazy experience. I would not change any of it probably if I had to do it all over again, but, um, but it was stressful at times to say the least. I was just talking to somebody about Frankie Ballard. I feel like I know he still does stuff. So when I say this phrase, I I don't want to sound as aggressive as it does, but he's like one of the, the, most interesting disappearing acts to me. Like I, his last (laughs) album he put out was so damn good that I think it was called El Rio or something like that. It was so brilliant. And then I know it didn't work at radio as well as they wanted it to, but then he just kind of stopped. And I was like, where, like, I need him back. Like I want Frankie Ballard back in my life. Man. It's funny you say that. Cause I, I was thinking about him the other day because I all, I loved all of his records, man. And he's a great guitar player. Like obviously I'm a big guitar player and fan of it. And so like, I vividly remember as a, as a teenager, him, he had all these cool guitars out on stage and, and he was back there and him and I, while he was restringing his guitar the first time that I met him, we just sat there and talked about guitars. I was like 16, 17 years old. And, you know, he was again, tearing up the radio at the time. So to me, it was just like, he was the coolest thing in the world because he played guitar and all the above. And he was the nicest guy. And, uh, and he was so great, man. I don't Yeah. I hope he comes back around and makes a record and does something. I don't know what he's doing. I, I have no idea, but. But yeah, he was one of the folks I was opening up for. He, that's that's awesome. I need you to put some things in perspective here for me. How old are you? I'm 29 years old now. 29, okay. So I've so been doing it for a while. Yeah, yeah. I've been at it for a minute. All right, well, so let me ask you this question. This is kind of jumping the gun, but since we're, we're here, let's go for it. So you moved to Nashville yeah. right after high school, and here we are approximately 10, 11 years after you make that move to Nashville, yeah. and your debut album just came out not too long ago. Was there ever like a disheartening feeling of like, wow, this is taking out longer than I thought? Like you had a lot of success on your own as a teenager playing shows and getting yeah. out there that it didn't seem to translate quite as quickly? like, Or do you feel like yeah. things have been happening the way that you wanted them to? Man, I just had that thought yesterday, to be honest with you. Like, it's, you know, it's uh, the music industry is a funny thing. It's um, March 1st of this coming year in 2024 will be 10 years exactly that I've right. moved to Nashville. The thing that is funny, like I'm a, I'm a, I believe in God. I'm a Christian, you know, whether you are or whatever, it doesn't matter to me, but it's all good. But I believe that, you know, it all, uh, timing is, is everything. And I, I would have loved for this all to have happened a lot faster than it has. Um, but at the same time, you know, 
obviously, as, as you can tell, 15 through 19, when I moved to town, was really focused on playing shows and touring. I was playing so many shows. I was touring my ass off. And I really got the, the whole show thing down pat. I was great. You could put me in front of any kind of crowd in any yeah. kind of room. I could do it. It was all good. I did not focus very much on songwriting. Um, and just because I didn't I didn't know any different, I was just writing songs. I would write co-write occasionally with folks that would do it with me. And But that wasn't something that you did down in Georgia. That's very much a Nashville thing. And so when I moved to Nashville, I, I couldn't, one, I couldn't tour around Georgia and stuff quite as easily because I didn't live there anymore. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of stopped a little bit. And then I got a publishing deal about nine months after I moved to Nashville, which means, you know, you get paid a salary, a lump sum of money to write songs for a company. They book your rights. They get you in the rooms, all of the above. And so the story does have this kind of it feels if you if you kind of are looking at it as like a, a graph, I guess, like it has this whole like teenage years going up. And then it does seem like if you're looking at it trajectory wise, like it flattens out a little bit. And again, I would have loved for it all to have happened a lot quicker, but I spent the next four years of really me moving to Nashville. I got my publishing deal, like I said, just focusing on songwriting. Like I, I kind of quit playing shows. I sold my van that I toured in. I mm. sold my trailer that I toured in. My band was down in Georgia that I toured with because that's where I was from. And so that's where all my guys were. And I kind of put a hold on touring in general, unless something came in that was a really great show. I quit touring and I just wrote songs. Um, and I wrote sometimes twice a day, uh, sometimes three times a day and sometimes once a day, but I was writing five days a week, mm. pretty much every week for four years. Um, and, and I don't regret that at all either. I think that it did again, push my timeline out a little farther than it maybe would have been in a lot of other scenarios, but it also allowed me time to write with a million different songwriters in Nashville. And, and I would go to New York and write with some folks and, I really learned the craft of songwriting um, in a way that I never would have been able to have the time to. And I'm also thankful that I had a publishing company and a mentor as a, as a publisher that uh, that kind of helped me do that. That kind of put a time breaker on all of it there. And so I spent those four years writing songs. And then right at the end of that deal, um, when it was ending and I was going into a, a different publishing company, I got offered my my deal with Monument Records, which is where I am now. And, um, and it was, again, because we were just writing a bunch of these really killer songs that like one the, the song that got me my record deal is a song called other end of the phone mm. that's on the six strings ep with that tenille song uh with brad tercy mm -hmm. and shane mcanally had heard that song loved it invited me into monument records and and there's a lot obviously a lot more stuff happened in there but like that's kind of what happened there so it, it took quite a while it, the, the journey of all of it was a long one but again i don't think i regret any of it because i got to I got to have all the years of playing in the bars and opening up for folks and really honing the craft of putting on a show and performing and touring. And then I got the same amount of time to focus on recording and writing and, and working more on guitar and getting better at playing guitar too, even though, you know, I, I really cut my teeth in the bars so that I, I'm very much a live musician. You know, now I've gotten my record deal and I've had the time thanks to COVID to you know really f focus on that yeah. too so like i we weirdly have these kind of like four-year increments of my career and they're all vastly different but it it has taken a long time but i've had the ability and the time to really focus on each one of those crafts and i feel like and and i would not by no means call myself a master because i'm i'm trying to break into this whole world very much right now and i know that you know we're trying to start to sell tickets and all of the mm -hmm. above 
but I, I definitely have had the time to learn a lot about each, each aspect of all of it. And, um, and I am grateful for that, whether it's, you know, I'm 29 now and I've been doing it since I was 15 and moved to Nashville when I was 19 and a lot of different things. I, I believe it all happens for a reason and it's all in a plan somewhere, somehow. And, um, and it's going to happen when it's supposed to. And, you know, I, I've, I couldn't be more proud of my debut record that we just put out in September. And I know for a fact, I would not have made this record five, six, seven, eight years ago. I would have made this record four years ago when I started writing it. You know, it's like we we started writing this. The first song is uh, on the record that I wrote. It's called Radio Waves. And I wrote that back in 2019. And half of them, I didn't even finish writing until 2022, 20, late 2021 to late 2022. So again, it's my debut record. And there's no way I would have put this record out mm. before any of this happened. So long, very long-winded answer to your question, but that's kind of how it's gone for me. And, and that's my story. And that's, you know, the testimony that hopefully at the end of my career, you know, many, many years from now, it'll look back and be like, man, what a wild journey that was to get just started really. Cause I feel like I'm just now really getting started, but I've been going at it for so long. I think the live performance thing is so important too. And a, because I love live music, but B, I yeah. think the way people consume music now, whether it's through a streaming service or whatever, people aren't investing as much money into buying music, but they invest money yeah. to see live music. So when you, sure. if you're a consumer and you spend money on a ticket and you go to a show that's very lackluster, you walk away thinking, well, I'm kind of done with that artist. You know what I mean? Like, For sure. so I, I think the fact Absolutely. that you've got that under your belt, you can't fake live. You know, like you can fake Absolutely. in studio. You can, I mean, I, I, and I, look, I love this guy. This is not me talking smack, but like the first time I saw Kane Brown, I was like, man, this guy cannot do it live. Like, I don't know what his career uh. is going to look like. And he is night and day different now live than he was at yeah. that time. But like, it looked like he was scared on stage and I, and, I, and I get it. I'm scared on stage, but it was like, <laughs> you had all this hype about these songs you were hearing recorded, but when the actual performance happened, I was like, man, what a letdown. But again, he's worked on it. He's practiced, he's toured and it's for a sure. whole different thing. So thankfully it worked out great for him, but that is that yeah. moment, like those live performances, like that's sink or swim for a lot of people. So you've already got that, which oh, is great. Yeah, I agree, man. It's like, I, I mean, I'm just the same way. I've seen folks that I've heard their records and love and go see buy it because I'm all about buying a ticket. And I love going to concerts and, and seeing it. And I've definitely seen folks where it was it was a, a letdown for sure. And and it happens. And, and also in everybody's defense who are artists and perform, like people have bad days. And unfortunately, yeah. that might have been one of those, you know, it could have been. But I definitely am, am a very thankful for those years because, you know, there's something to be said for being a teenager in a bar where they're not necessarily, you know, they, who wants to listen to a teenager sing in a bar? Like that's the sure. most opposite sounding thing in the world. And so it was my job to get their attention and keep their attention and, and want them to come back next time I come back to that town. And, and so, I, yeah, it's, it was priceless. It was it was it was uh, completely priceless for me to be able to do that. So. Long journey, but uh, you know we're we're still rolling with it. We're still rolling with it. I love that this is the journey for you. I, I know it might not have happened as fast as you wanted it to, but I, I feel like it is happening at the right time. Um, I got to tell you on uh, "Side Effects of the Heart." That's the uh, that's the debut album. "Side Effects of the Heart." The song is probably my favorite on the record. I love her to hear. Oh, thank you, man. That song is awesome. And whenever I listen to Denim and Diamonds, it's got this like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's got this vibe of like, I'm picturing an under the sea, like dance from the fifties or sixties, you know, like 
something yeah. out of Back to the Future. It's got that sort of cool, uh, like throwback vibe in that song too. And yeah. I, just, I love that you it's, channeled it's that. It's funny. It's funny you said that because uh, my whole we wrote that song. There's another song on the record called I Know a Guy. Yeah. Um, that's right before it, I think, on the on the record track listing wise. But I wrote both of those with Shane McAnally, Josh Osborne, and Pete Good. And we wrote oh, terrible songwriters. You couldn't find somebody better. Horrible. <laughs> no, honestly, I couldn't. They just happened to be, you know, looking for a gig that day. And so I, you know, I, I let them into the room. Um, but uh, we wrote those songs in the same day. Uh, we started with I Know a Guy. And then in the middle of I Know a Guy, we wrote Denim and Diamonds and, uh, and came back and finished I Know a Guy after it. And, uh, and my idea for Denim and Diamonds, I had that title for a while and didn't know how to write it quite yet. And um, my whole vision for it, though, was was urban cowboy the movie uh, the john travolta movie from the i think it's from like 1978 early 80s and um and it kind of is what at the time i wasn't alive yet but i again i love old things and uh at the time though it made cowboy culture very cool yeah like the whole like everyone whether you were a cowboy or not you were a cowboy and in the images though it was like the disco ball and the sawdust floor and the whole thing that was my vision of the song and so it's really funny you say that it's like it's very much a throwback feeling song and um and so i'm glad that it made you feel that way long story short because uh that's what it was all about and you've got this tour coming up too you got a few dates sort of celebrating this i know one of them is coming through the town that i live in which is baltimore and that's coming on yeah. november 10th uh tell me about this tour yeah so it's really just uh just to get you know hopefully meet some folks that, that love the record it's a really uh, a beginning thing of what's going to be coming for next year we're doing i think it's eight dates total yeah and uh, it's just me and a guitar. I've got I've, some of the shows going to be on electric guitar, some of it's acoustic, but it's just me telling a little bit of my story and playing some of these songs and a few a uh, few cover songs that kind of shaped me and inspired this record as well. And um, and just trying to get out there, and meet folks, and get people interested in the record. And then we're going to come back and hit it full swing uh, top of next year too. So it's really, if you will, like an introduction tour of of me and some places that I haven't really toured by myself and. I've uh, I've been really fortunate enough to open up for a lot of people, but I haven't toured on my own yeah. uh, really a whole lot. And so just trying to get the ball rolling, see what happens and uh, go from there. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. And we've done a few of the dates so far. And um, I think the Baltimore one's coming up in, a, in just a few weeks. So. It'll be it'll be fun. Yeah, November tenth, you're here at our venue, uh, PBR Baltimore. Uh, I'm gonna try to come out, yeah. bar, barring some issue with my toddler. I'm gonna try to come out and catch the show because, <laughs> uh, I, like I said, I've been a fan for a few years now, and I'm just uh, I'm so excited to see things working for you. I mean, you know, they I, I love to find new music, and I love to find artists maybe before they have their big break. And I feel like I was able to discover you early on in the process here, Man, and I've been so like amazing. excited to watch you grow over the last few years and watch more attention coming your way and now the album i'm just like this is awesome like I'm, i've wanted this for this guy for so oh, long man. now and i'm just excited for it oh, i got chills man well I, that means the world to me it really does i appreciate it and i, I hope there's a lot more of you around the, around the country and the world too because um it takes it that's what it takes it takes people like you and, and like me who also i'm the same way with other people that i love music wise too and it's like you you just want it to win and, and succeed so i i appreciate that and i appreciate you um supporting supporting it and following along man it's been a, it's been a journey it's been a journey well before i let you go i want to give you one piece of advice from my perspective on my side of things from the radio business because yeah. one thing i got into this business sort of accidentally i i just loved music and when i went to college i wanted to do a college radio show so i could share the music i loved with other people and then sort of 
backed my way into the radio business as a whole. So for me, I found my way into radio because I love music. Not everybody that programs radio loves music with that same sort of passion. And that's fine. That's their thing. Radio is also a business and they know that business aspect of it. So my piece of advice to you as someone who's trying now to get on the radio really for the first time as an artist, don't be disheartened immediately Mm. like take it in stride i think some people watch the charts and they follow ups and downs very closely and it just it can really tear a person apart if you put too much focus on why don't they like me what's this and like just you got to take it in stride and i'm not saying don't care i'm just saying take it in stride and, and don't get disheartened by one person saying they don't they don't get it or they don't like it i mean there's a lot of other people out there that will love it and sometimes it just takes a few moments for them all to get that same click you know yeah, man. Well, I, I appreciate that. And I, uh, it's, it's refreshing to hear it. I, I, it is. And, um, I'll take any advice you got. So if you got any more, just shoot them, shoot me a text or something, man. Cause I'll take all I can get. We're trying to trying to, yeah, like I said, trying to get on the radio for the first time. So it's a, it's a crazy thing. And, and, um, you know, it is refreshing that there are people that love music. And, uh, cause like I said, even on, on the, it's, which is crazy to me, but on the songwriting side and all of the above, there are so many folks who, Think of it more on the business side yeah. of it because, again, it is a business at the end of the day, but they, they don't care as much about the art side of it as the business side. So it's I think there are folks in all aspects yeah. of what we do that way. But it's like I'm connected to the folks who love the music more than anything. And so uh, so I, I appreciate that advice, man. And I'll definitely try to hold on to it. Well, Alex, uh, yeah, it's just beginning. Yes, it is just beginning. There's a lot of good stuff coming your way. I got a feeling for it. Uh, Alex, it is such a pleasure to finally catch up with you, finally chat with you. I look forward to seeing you in Baltimore on this tour, and, and hopefully we'll be seeing a lot more of you soon. Yeah, man. Right back at you. Thanks for having me, man. Big thank you to Alex Hall for his time. His debut album is out now. It's called Side Effects of the Heart. It is just fantastic music. One of my favorite records of the year. And if you're in Baltimore on Friday, November 10th, come on out and see him at PBR Baltimore at Power Plant Live. I'll be there too. You can come over and say hi. Until next week, thank you for listening and be well.